Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We continue with this subject of how to conduct ourselves in the house of God or how to behave in the house of God. And I want to emphasize something today. Where we talked about that last week, endeavor that you get the message, listen to it again, the purpose of the church. Dr. Mars Moreau says, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. And over time, over time, what has happened is that the concept of the church has changed over time to accommodate or to accommodate civilization. So what that means is, over time, we try to adapt the church to fit the current trend as opposed to allowing the church dictate how believers should walk. So I'll give you an example. The church primarily started as a place of education, all right, and gradually it started moving into the place of entertainment. And one of the concepts, one of the reasons, if you study church history, why the church began to move into the place of... Now, let me, let me pull you back a bit. If you, if you watch the development of the church, which is from the Roman, Catholic, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, right? If you watch it from that perspective, right? Martin Luther came and started talking about the just shall live by faith, Protestant Revolution, right? And then Methodist, Presbyterian. And you watch all of those Orthodox churches... The concept of the church was based on education, all right? And then it moves all through Europe, London, Wales, and all of that. And then, permit my use of words, when the church got to America, there was a lot of entertainment infused into that. And unfortunately for our own development, that's what we copy. So what you find out is as opposed to the church going through the route of education, it went through the route of entertainment. And so we find out, okay, generation X, Y, Z, right? The, the, the listening span is short, this, 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 and then all of those things began to come in. Now, one of the things you must realize is that conviction is birthed by intense training, not optional training. Conviction is birthed by intense, pay attention to my use of words, intense training, not optional training. And like I thought this morning in our growth class, the way we came to Christ, or the way a, a couple of people came to Christ, they didn't come to Christ on the basis of understanding the gospel and salvation and the church. They came to Christ on the basis of, come to Jesus, you're looking for a husband, he will give you one. Come to Jesus, you're looking for a child, he would give you one. So many people did not approach the gospel from a place of, I need to learn something. Rather, they approached the gospel from what perspective? I have a problem, there's a need to be met. Are you following that? So it's not so much as what God will teach me, is as opposed to what God will do what? Will do for me. So, I am homeless, I need a house. God will give me a house. And so when we go out to preach, pay, pay close attention here, when we go out to preach, that is what we preach. If I say, every one of us go out now and let's win souls to Christ, you will realize that some of us will just preach, you know, will hand over the church flyer and say, praise the Lord, I'm from so-so-so-so church. My pastor has power. 
do you have problem? <laughs> yes. Says, okay. <laughs> this is our job. Do, do you get what I'm saying? That, that is all we know about the gospel. That was, so, so, so the gospel almost is not effective if there's no problem. Do you get it? Are you here? Alright. So let me show you something. Do you realize, go to Acts chapter 10 very quickly. This is a side journey. But side journey sometimes are important. Acts 10.1. Come with me quickly. Acts 10.1. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. The King James who says the Italian band. Go to verse 2. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many arms to the Jewish people. Now, please follow me carefully, right? This man was a centurion, so he was a noble man, right, in the army. Do you realize the scripture says that he feared God with all his household? Okay? So, it, it, so, Follow me. None of his children was in prison. There was no problem. He feared God with his household. Then he gave many arms to the Jewish people. This man, called Cornelius, was the one giving to the Jews. How many of you know if the scripture says that he gave arms to many Jewish people, it means that he had money? Do we agree on that? So let's, let's go over his life again. Number one, his household was okay. His wife was not giving him issues. Because he feared God with all his household. Right? Number two, he was giving many arms to the Jewish people. Right? So he had money to give. Number three, he prayed to God continually. How many of you think if in today's world, Acts chapter 10 verse 2 was written against someone's name, we will never imagine that that person was not born again. But the guy was not born again. He wasn't. He wasn't born again. The guy was so good, God had to arrange his salvation that you can't be this good and not be saved. God had to appear to him to send for Peter so that Peter would preach words for him to be saved. Now, this is where I want you to pay attention to. The fact that this man had all these wonderful characteristics did not mean he was born again. So, these things cannot be the reason we ask people to come to church. Essentially. Let me, let me, let me, essentially. Now, go to Acts chapter 11. Peter was reporting this to the apostles after he had gone. Go to Acts chapter 11. And, um, Now, when you go to Acts chapter 11 and verse 13. Now, Peter was the one reporting. Verse 13. Verse 13. It says, And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. Verse 14. And he will speak words. He will speak words. Verse 14. He will speak words to you by which you will be saved. You and all your household. The same household in Acts chapter 10 verse 1. 
So if you read, listen, if you read Acts chapter 10 verse 1 and you don't read Acts chapter 11, you will almost think Cornelius was fine. But in, do you have the amplified version? Let me have the amplified version. Acts chapter 11 verse 14. Who is there? I need you to be quick today for me, please. Acts eleven fourteen. if you have the amplified. Look at this. He will give, pay attention, he will give, what's the next word there? And do what? And explain. So, if, so pay attention here. If you go to Acts chapter 10, go back and read it. You will understand how Peter preached to Cornelius. So, Peter did, Peter did not just go to Cornelius and say, eh, Praise the Lord, you have all these good things. You will miss hell. If you do this, do you want to accept Jesus? Raise your hand. You know, sometimes we rush people to accept Christ and they have no clue. How many of you got born again like six times? You know, I was listening to Mark Higgins and he said something, you know, he grew up in the pastor's home. And he says that every time Brother Higgins was going to come to preach in their church, in the Father's church, he will repent of all his sins because he knows Brother Higgins works in the word of knowledge. That he knows that if he has repented and God had forgotten, God will not show Brother Higgins. And so he repented many times. Why? Because we don't understand what? The concept of salvation. Look at what he says. He says, he will give and explain to you a message by means of which you and all your household as well will be saved from eternal death. So, what Peter brought to Cornelius' house was the explanation of the gospel. Was the explanation of the gospel. So, that is, um, you know, that's just a side journey I need to take on understanding what salvation is, and how people should actually be breathed to the church. It should not be something we are in a hurry about to say, well, we got six million people saved. It's, it's not just about the numbers. And I said something in the growth class this morning. How many of you are in the growth class? I said, if you watch the numbers of Christians in Nigeria and watch our corruption index, something is not adding up. Because if, for instance, we say, let's look at the number of Christians in Nigeria. We're not even talking about northern Nigeria. At least southern Nigeria, we agree that most of us are Christians. Then you watch the corruption index in southern Nigeria, you'll be amazed. Which is not supposed to be. Because if we have as much Christians, proposed Christians, as we seem to have, then there should be something significantly different about our corruption index in this part of the region. Are you following this? Alright. So let's look at this now. The key purpose of the church is a place where learning takes place, a place of teaching, education, and equipping. The Christian life is built on knowledge. Please pay attention to that. The Christian life is built on knowledge. It is a knowledge faith. Christianity is a knowledge faith. It's a knowledge faith. The scripture was given to be learned. The scripture was given to be learned. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Come with me to Matthew 28 verse 19. These were supposedly the last words of Jesus. He says, go therefore and make disciples. The word disciples in the Greek is mathetheo. Mathetheo. Make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Make disciples. Mathetheo. Mathetis in some Greek, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, pay attention to two words there. I want to use the word disciples and 
the word teaching. Now, the word disciples, mathetes or mathetheo in the Greek, speaks of a pupil, a student, someone enrolled to be trained. Enrolled to be trained. That's the concept of discipleship. Enrolled to be trained. Now, you realize that Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus. Matthew 27, 57. Matthew 20. Am I right? Yeah. Matthew 27, 57. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea. So the man was rich. Named Joseph. Look at the word used. Who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Now pay attention. Becoming a disciple of Jesus, and I'll explain this, wasn't just that he was just walking with Jesus. No. He enrolled himself to be taught by Jesus. He was a student of Jesus. Okay? Now, go to Matthew 13.52. Matthew 13.52. Matthew 13.52. Pay attention. And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. So, he was talking about scribes who became disciples of the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying there? These were scribes who now put themselves in a learning position to learn about the kingdom of heaven. They were scribes who became disciples. Uh, are you following that? They were scribes. You know who a scribe was already. They already had uh, the knowledge of the Torah. But then, Jesus came and started teaching, so they now chose to become. That's what I want you to observe. I want you to observe that word become in Matthew 13, um, um, 52, and what was used for Joseph of Arimathea, who had become a disciple of Jesus. Now, um, you can write these scriptures down. Luke 24, 45, and go back and study them. Luke 24, 45. You can put it up if you want to put it up. Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. So the opening of minds is the explanation. Alright? To understand scriptures. Acts 2, 42. Acts 2, 42. They continue, they continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they devoted themselves to doctrine. So when people got born again, the first thing is devotion to doctrine. It's not to share their testimony. Is devotion to doctrine. And I said it last, last week. That's why we have when secular artists get born again. The next thing we are giving them mic to share their story. Their story is not the message. Praise the Lord. I used to drink seven bottles. But listen, listen, listen. Forget how many bottles you need to. That's not. You become a disciple. You learn the way of the truth. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? A famous person getting born again. Listen to this. If it's not carefully handled, it's not an addition to the kingdom as it were. It can become a distraction. That's why when famous people get born again, the first thing is that they sit down and they learn. If their money and their fame is not what we want to quote, quickly ride on, they don't understand anything. This guy is not born again. In that sense, he's not, he doesn't have a clue about what the faith is. Allow him grow. And before you know, you're sharing testimonies all over the place. And that's why I've always told you, don't listen to all those people who say they went to heaven and God showed them something. Throw all those things away. That's not how the gospel is preached. I went to heaven, they now opened gates, they now showed me this, they now showed you that. I mean, and people who parade all those things all the time, their testimonies do not last. 
And if you've been a student of church history, you know everybody who built a ministry based on how he died and went to heaven and resurrected, the ministry is not still thriving. Because that's not how the, go- the gospel is a message that needs to be explained. Are you following what I'm saying? And I can show you from scriptures. When, um, on the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, the, the rich man said, can you send someone from here to go and tell my brothers to warn them? God says, no, they have the prophet and the scribes with them, which means that it is not sending people from the dead to preach that converts men. It is by them listening to men who are already alive, explaining the scriptures that get them born again. And then somebody will now say he went and he saw that somebody was wearing earrings and went to her. Even you, you are laughing. That that's not true. Why? Because they died with the wrong understanding, so they had a vision based on their ignorance. Because it's what you know that you will see. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Let's look at this concept of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And I will explain something to you, so pay attention here. Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to the word. So, please understand, sometimes the figure of speech in the scriptures... When we say she was seated at the lost feet listening to the word, the, the primary concept we have in our mind is that Jesus was sitting and Emory sat down and was listening to Jesus. Okay. I've always told you sometimes you allow the scripture to interpret the scripture. So let's go to Acts 22 verse 3. Show you something there. Acts 22 verse 3. Acts 22 3. Uh, now, actually, to, let, let me have the King James Version. King James or New King James Version. Actually, two, three. I'll show you something. Now, look at, look at the King James Version. Pay, pay close attention. Look at the King James Version. I'm verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Thassos, this was Paul, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. And taught according to the perfect manner of the Lord, the fathers. Now, pay attention to that. He was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, when Paul said, I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, what do you think he was talking about? Huh? Was what? Was mentored or tormented? Was mentored. Was taught. Okay. New American Standard Bible. New American Standard Bible. I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel. So when you say Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the word, it was a concept of discipleship. It was a concept of discipleship. So to sit at the feet of someone is to be a disciple of that person, to be educated by that person. Do you understand that? And that's the concept. That's what Jesus was trying to show when he says, Mary had chosen the good part. What part is that? Is the part of discipleship, pay attention, not the part of activity. That when we come to church, our priority 
is education and not activity. It's not trying to serve God, but learning from God. It is in your learning you know how to serve Him. That is why I always tell our church workers here, some of the people who don't pay attention to message are people who are working. You see, you must prioritize your discipleship. That's how our ushers write. All our ushers write. I, because you can get so busy that you have not chosen the path of discipleship. And you know, sometimes in church, we like activities. Not activities geared towards training. If I say, we've got uh, uh, a women's conference or a men's conference, and we're going to, you know, teach for like two hours, or, you know, we're just going to stay on the word. You will say, ah, what will we be doing? So we're learning Bible. There's no Bible as we teach every time Bible, every time Bible. Let's mix it. But, you know, the attendance probably will not be high. But if I say, well, we've got a women's meeting. We're going to do baking in the morning. <laughs> We're going to do sewing in the afternoon. Tie and die in the evening. Say, whoa, it's like our church. It's like our church. Say, we fellowship. What are you fellowshipping with? Tie and die. We teach you how to make egg. You know, we like those things. Just, and it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you see, if we keep on that path, a time will come. We will not have time for the word again. Because more ideas will come. Say, last year we baked a pancake. What are you going to do? They say, waffles, 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 waffles. And I'm telling you, you know, more ideas. Those things never end. Then before you know, quarrel will start. I said the waffles will be triangle. They said it will be circle. I'm not a child. Let them not think I'm a child. Problem I've started. <laughs> you know, as I'm teaching the word now, Korea is not much. You see, the more we get into all those activities, the more the flesh has the opportunity to rise. People will quarrel in a convention over the backdrop. I said it should be blue. You don't miss blue with indigo. They had, what are you talking about? I studied fine at... That's, they, are not, they are not praying about the meeting. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, the more we carry this thing to activities, the more we will give room for carnality to thrive. Are you hearing this? So, being educated, being sitting on the feet of someone means to be educated. Now, let's go to something. Arati Kanda said, Sound doctrine gives people a clear vision of Jesus. So that they can know him more fully, trust him more boldly, and enjoy him more deeply. I really like this. Sound doctrine, if you can't write this down, sound doctrine gives people a clear vision of Jesus. So they can know him more fully, trust him more boldly, and enjoy him more deeply. You see, it is our understanding of Jesus that makes us to worship him more. You see, the more you know someone, the more you can trust them. There are people in this church now that I know a bit. And if they tell me, oh, pastor, I'm going to give you 10000 by next week. I can as well go and collect a basket of Gary this morning. Because I know they'll make their work through. You know, but if somebody I don't know tell me that, I'm going to wait. So, listen to this. It is knowledge that breeds trust. The reason you're struggling with faith is knowledge. It's not that faith is mysterious. It's not that you don't have faith. It's knowledge. Praise God. Alright. Now, I want to say this. Right? And we're going to 
get there now. Uh, we talked about this. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1 to 6. Let, let's read this. I'll show you something here. Nehemiah chapter 8. Right? And that's why I ask that our uh, TCC kids should join us this morning. Because I needed to say this. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1. I want all of us to read this. We're going to stop at verse 6. I want all of us to read this. Nehemiah 8 verse 1 to 6. Thank you, Lord. All right. And all the people gathered as one man. Pay attention to that word, one man, please. That word, one man, right? Keep it somewhere in your head. Remember when we're going to the book of Acts, pay attention to the word one accord. Let me just tell you. Keep that one man, one accord. And we'll explain that. How we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God in one accord. Alright? So, and all the people gathered as one man at the square which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the Lord Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra, the priest, brought the Lord. Remember, in those days, they all did not have the uh, Bible. Only the priest had. Brought the Lord before the assembly of men, women, and all who could do what? Listen with what? Understanding. Let's analyze this. If I say men... Women and all who could listen with understanding. Who do you think I would likely be referencing when I say all who could listen with understanding? Yeah? Yeah? Children and teenagers. It is important. Look at it now. It says men, women, and all who could listen with what? We understand it. That means, that means at the reading of the law, there was no children's church. And I explain this. I'll explain this. And let me tell you, eh? let me tell you. Sometimes eh, our concept of children's church and teenage church eh, is a concept that does not aid the development of the children. Because the first thing that comes to our mind when we start thinking of children and teenagers is how to reduce whatever we're teaching them. The Jews never train their children like that. And I'll explain. I'll show you how the Jews train their children. And you know what? Muslims don't train their children like that. It is only in Christianity we do all these many things. Because you know we like to play. For us, our faith has to be adapted in a way that people can cope. They don't see their faith like that. Their faith is not about you coping. It's that this faith, you will know it. As far as you can learn any other thing, you can learn it. So I'll tell you this, eh? if you put a 12-year-old believer with a 12-year-old Muslim and put them together in the same place and ask them to defend their faith, the likelihood of the 12-year-old not able to defend his faith is higher. Eh? But if you say, let them sing poem, in Genesis, he's the stone. In Matthew, he's the rock. In Exodus, he's the cane. In, in, in Leviticus, he's the beast. That's what we like. Tone it down. And I will explain this to you. The disciples of Jesus, church history, go do your research. The disciples of Jesus were from the ages of 14 to 31. Peter was the only one who was older than Jesus and that's why Peter was the only one who paid tax with Jesus. Because he started paying tax at the age of 30. The disciples of Jesus were teenagers. From 14 to 15, you started learning your father's trade and I'll give you that breakdown. 
most of the disciples of Jesus from church theology were between 18, 19 and their early 20s. You know, Jesus had 12 who were their foundation apostles and he had 70 disciples. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Timothy was a young man over the church of Ephesus that had 20,000 members. That is why Paul had to tell him, let no man despise thy youth. He was not doing youth fellowship. He was to ordain elders because Timothy became a disciple of Paul very early. He was trained to lead the church. And we must, you see, don't think that the Holy Spirit in your children is the junior one. And you realize that when our children are being taught evil, they don't look at them as teenagers. You will be amazed at what your children know that you don't know in this other realm. And meanwhile, here you are still doing this little like, oh my, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> be letting it shine. Just let it shine. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. Eh? But if that is our concept to raising our children, we will have challenge. And that's why you realize that most of us, actually our faith got deepened when we went to the university, when we started taking responsibility for our spiritual growth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this. They gathered so that the law will be read. Women, men, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Verse 3. He read it before the square, which was in the front of the water gate. I want you to look at this time. From early morning until midday. What would you think? Let's, let's approximate this time. The scripture doesn't give, give us the time, but we can take a look at it. What time would you think early morning would be like? Six. Yeah, let's, let's think. No, I think five, five will not be. Will five be early morning? Okay. Okay. So what time do we agree on? Let's agree on the time. Six. Do we all agree that six a.m. would be early morning? Do we agree on that? Okay. So he said, he read from early morning until midday. What will midday be like? Twelve. Okay, mathematicians. Six to twelve, how many hours? Six hours. What were they doing in six hours? Reading the Bible. What do you think will happen to your brain? If I say, well, everybody show up in church by six. And we're going to close by twelve. Right? Come on now. And we all show up. And I say, Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God, and I kept on reading. And kept, come on. What do you think will happen? Someone say we will sleep. <laughs> God is watching you. But do you think, listen, preaching is one thing. At least if I'm preaching, I'm, you know, I'm, they were not preaching. Ezra was not preaching. Listen, it says, in the presence of men and women and those who could understand. That means for six hours, teenagers, men, and women sat down listening to the reading of the word. I hope we are going to the same heaven. <laughs> now look at this. Look at this. Remember no projector. 
Remember again, none of them had a copy. So it wasn't like, as they were reading, they were following and checking. No, 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 no. They all sat, they just sat, because one man had the copy. Now look at how they listen. Though, let's read again. He read it before the square, who was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people, all the people, all the people would mean men, women, and all who could understand, come on, we're what? Attentive to the book of the law. Six hours. Six hours. Just sat there. Man was reading. Nobody was saying, Guy, when he go finish? <laughs> the pastor not prepared today. So we have we have final to watch. Listen, this is this is the this is the heritage of our faith. This is it. This is Christianity. Some some people get bored just reading the Bible. I like that your church, but you go read scriptures too much. What should we read? James Hadley Chase or Shakespeare? People just get bored reading the Bible for six hours. Now look at this. And Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which they made for the purpose. Let me explain. That's why I keep telling you that this is not the altar. The altar was designed so that as I'm reading, everybody can see me. This is where the first concept of altar came from. Nehemiah 8.4 Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which they had made for the purpose. Why did they make the wooden podium? So that when Esther stood to read, everybody can see. Eh? That is why they made altar. Before you start hearing, as I stand on this exalted altar, as I stand on this exalted altar, it wasn't because of it was a place of power. It was because it was a place that everybody can see whoever is reading. That is the scriptural purpose for altar. And beside beside him stood all those people. Because you know, we like making everything mysterious. Because the more people don't understand, the better for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I hear prophets say, take, take 7,000, go to seven altar and drop it. It sounds, it sounds like, say, why are you doing it? I don't know. But they say there's power in it. Do you know that if I break this place now, we change this place to that place, that place now becomes the altar. That means those who were sitting there all through the couple of years have now become where the altar was. Can we, just, can we just reduce some of these things we do in the name of whatever it is? Let me leave that. Go to the next verse. Verse 4. Verse 5. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. When he meant he was standing above all the people, what do you think he was talking about? Standing in that podium. Okay? For time of all people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen. Pay attention to all the people answered. Remember in verse 1, we talked about one man. I'll talk about this in one accord. While lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then go to verse 7. Leave all those names. The Levites explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. Now pay attention. 
After six hours of reading the word, then the explanation started. No, 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 no. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Is that not what we read? That's what we're reading. They had finished reading now. Then <laughs> it's now church started. After six hours, they, what is Pastor trying to do? Is it what is? Yes, what? After six hours, next Sunday, I've understood. And the people remained in their place. That means after six hours of hearing the reading of the scripture, now the scribe wants to explain. The guys were still seated. You know, that's what I'm telling you. That you see this judgment day. When we go to heaven, God will just call some teenagers that were in the church and say, How long do you spend in church? See, uh, I stream sometimes and I went, give and take, maybe 67 hours. Mm. <laughs> Jesus Christ will just look at all guys. Joshua, come. How old were you when Nehemiah was reading the scriptures? I was 13. How many hours? Did you stay there? Say six hours for reading of scripture, four hours for explanation, ten hours. Say the whole time you attended service in a year was one, was just one reading. <laughs> you know, a Christianity can be funny. All we are just waiting for is for trumpet to blow. You must come home. You know, this it's a sports mindset of Christianity. The trumpet will just oh, say, God, are we living here? Uh, Madam, you didn't make it. You know, I made, I, I'm in the next batch. Okay, check your name. <laughs> you know, we have angels who bring beavers. Say, Tom Prince, Tom Prince. Say, ah, no, you didn't make it. So say, ah, please now, I'll give you something. I have new notes. <laughs> That's the concept. You know, very, very, very funny concept of Christianity we have. Again, because a lot of ignorant people stood in the pulpit and didn't teach people God's word. And so we are event-driven. Remain rapturable. God calls you a citizen of heaven. You don't know if you will make heaven. Is that not funny? Say that day, you don't know. Those who think they will go, will not go. Those who do not think they will go, are the ones that will make it. If you pass jam, will you not know the, you, you, <laughs> right. What are we in? Nehemiah chapter 8. Verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Listen, this is the purpose of every pastor. Explain the book so that people can understand. That is your purpose in their life. That is the goal of every preacher. Explanation of scripture. Listen, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 8 and Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, 12 and 13 is saying the same thing. You take the word of God, you teach the people of God. You explain. Luke chapter 24, Paul, um, Jesus said the same thing. He says in opening their mind, we go to Luke 24, let me show you. Luke 24. Uh, Luke 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Yeah. Luke 24, 45. Look at this. Hmm? Luke 24, 45, right? Go, go to 44, please. 44. 
Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus talked about the law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms. Remember, it was the law that uh, Ezra was reading, okay? Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. What did he mean when he said he opened their minds to understand the scripture? He explained the scripture. Go to verse 25. 25 to 27. Luke 24, 25. 25 to 27. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophet has spoken. Slow of heart, which means they didn't have understanding. Verse 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. Then beginning, starting at Moses, which is the law, and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scripture. That's the purpose of a minister. Explanation of scriptures. Explanation of scriptures. Not telling of stories. Explanation of scriptures. Not telling of experiences. Explanation of scriptures. Alright. So, if you go back to Nehemiah chapter 8, two things we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 8 was that the people gathered together as one man. That's number one. Number two, they paid attention to the reading of the scripture. They spent time reading the scripture. The number one attitude when you come to the house of God, I'll summarize this at the end, is paying attention. Paying attention to the word. You pay attention. You pay attention. And let me tell you, doctrine can never be embedded without paying attention. And that is why for a teacher, if you, if, you are, if you are in any teaching field, right? The one thing teachers always emphasize in class is what? Pay attention. Pay attention. That's one thing. And it's easy to be distracted in church. You can distract yourself. You can allow other people to distract you. And we'll talk about that as we go on. Let's, let's go on. Uh, in the oral interpretation of the Torah, which is the law, at the time of Jesus... It showed a very regimented educational life path for young boys, especially. At five years old, one is fit for the scripture. So at the age of five, they start explaining the scriptures to them. Let me tell you one thing you you should do, right? Suggestion. One thing you should do is ensure that your children always have a copy of the Bible and they read it. If there's nothing you do, ensure that they read the scriptures. Just ensure that they read the scripture. Let them be acquainted with the scriptures. Just ensure that they read the scriptures. That is one big seed you can sow in your children's life. And when they get to the age of understanding, stop buying, you know, my book of Bible story and colorful stuff for them. Alright? Remove this thing from their mind that, you know, when it comes to the scripture, they can't... These children are already learning mathematics. They're already studying... My son is 14. He's already doing... You know, maths, further maths, and all of that. Already thinking of career to have. So he can understand. The Bible is not that difficult. Are you following this? At 10 years, the Mishnah, or the oral Torah interpretations, are 13 for the fulfilling of the commandments. Do you remember the rich young ruler, what he said to Jesus? Right? He says, from my childhood, I have kept these scriptures. Okay? From my childhood, thank you. From my childhood, I have kept the scriptures. That rich young ruler, from my childhood. From my childhood. From my childhood. 
Then at 15, the Talmud, which is the rabbinic interpretations. At 18, the bright chamber. At 20, they pursue a vocation. At 30, they had the authority to teach others. That's why Jesus Christ started his ministry at the age of 30. At 30, you could become a public teacher. You could become a public rabbi. At 30. Imagine Jesus, imagine God trusting the salvation of mankind on the 30 year old. He didn't wait for him to be 50, to be 60. Eh? But you realize that once we are 25 and 30, all the meetings we want to attend is relationship. Singles mingle. Alone but not lonely. Eh? You know, that's the concept. So we gather everybody and everything we would spend five years of our life learning is relationship issue. Who can I date? If we're in a relationship, can we kiss? If it's a long distance relationship, I mean, I mean that's your power of mind. What is atonement? I don't know. I will ask my pastor. 100 things to learn before you say, I do. Say, mm, like this topic. Very practical. If you learn God's word enough, you will know when to say, I do. Yeah, I remember one time in school, <laughs> we had this relationship teacher come to our school and say, 100 questions you ask before you get my. We wrote, we wrote, we wrote. So me and my friend were like, ah, will anybody be able to answer these 100 questions? <laughs> say, question one, do you like me? Say, you are failed one. It's good. But you see, this is what I realized. I realize that we put things that are secondary as primary things. If you would teach a child of God how to fellowship with God, how to hear the voice of the Father, he can't make wrong decisions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, if you are teaching them how not to make wrong decisions without a relationship with God, they, they can make wrong decisions. I've told you. That's how you hear Christians say, I'm, I'm, I'm Leo. I'm Scorpio. In August, we get angry. Say, why are you this angry? Say, it's because I'm Leo. Say, which month are you? Say, August. Say, oh, and I understand. So, I mean, I, mean, I mean, the man cannot be misbehaving every August. Say, don't hear your father. It's August. It's the annual conference of his anger. And because the man <laughs> believes he is more Leo than spirit field. So, what do we now teach? We now teach how to adapt to... <laughs> You know, you say, so, 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 so you come to church in, on, on Sunday morning. So you say, we're teaching anger management. So you now see a pastor teaching on Sunday morning. You say, when you're angry, breathe. <laughs> say, can't five to Anger. Is anger we are training her to man. Say, can't five to <laughs> Sunday morning. That's why we can't cast out demons again. Because we have learned to train demons. Scripture says anger rests in the bosom of a fool. You will read that because somebody will be angry. You are not teaching therapy and psychology. That's why we can read one verse of Scripture and teach a series from it without opening the Bible again. Hmm? It's good to bring... Um, sorry, not against anyone, but it's good to bring what you call that. Is that instructional materials or what? We want to preach on house. We will build a house. What do they call that? Is it learning age now? Or those whole things they put on the stage, especially in American churches. And want to teach on marriage, they will put bed and put it. If for adults to, to be able to concentrate, adults, now put bed, 
who pillow, put everything. Then he, the pastor will now lie down on the bed. And he's teaching you. He said, I really understand because when I saw the bed, you, you at, at 45, we needed to carry a bed here. Hmm? And, and if we're not careful, we will run into problems. Right? Because we're trying to make things explainable that, sh- that we, we, we don't have any business with all of that. Open the scriptures. Open the scriptures. Let's stop treating the people of God like they are dull and they are daft. Let's stop trying to put a lot of entertainment for people to... Listen, if we want this faith to advance, we have to get back to the way of proper doctrine. Praise the name of the Lord. Now look at this. So we said disciples of Jesus were from the ages of 14 up their 20s. Look at Luke 19 verse 47. We're talking about how to come to the to, 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 to one of the conduct. The proper conduct to have is Luke chapter 19 47. Let me show you something here. Luke 19 47. And let me tell you, right, sometimes we, we let, let me explain this. I, I think that, and, and I think it's a challenge I'm having. I think that sometimes we believe science more than the Word of God. Right? So science comes up with new things, you know, people need to, people, they, they are studying, they are, you know, science can come up tomorrow and say everything we, we've studied is wrong and come again. You know, because I remember even in our own time, Without so much comfort, without so much illustration, without so much of all of this, did we not understand the word of God? We did. Because again, our brain was not taught to say you needed a lot of these things to understand the scripture. Even for some of us, it was not by modern translations. With King James, we understood God's word. There were no modern translations. There was no translation, there was no taste, there was nothing. Okay. Luke 19, 47. Let's look at this. Look at Jesus. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. Go to verse 48. This was for a negative purpose, but go to verse 48. And they could not find anything they might do, for all the people were hanging on to every word he said. That's the attitude. Hanging to every word. Some translation says they were paying attention to every word that Jesus said. Now, remember, you know, for instance, I teach now, and that's why in School of Doctrine we don't do the recordings. Because if I'm teaching now, you can like, ah, I'm tired. I'll listen to the message later. They didn't have that opportunity. They didn't even have the opportunity of reading the scripture. So, So, for you to understand, you have to listen to everything. You have to pay attention. They were hanging to every word. They paid attention to every word. The word attentive uh, in, 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 in chapter 8, verse three, uh, chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse 3, actually means to incline your ear. That's what he said in the book of Proverbs. Incline your ear. My son, pay attention to my words. Pay attention to my words. So when we come to church, we are paying attention. We are paying attention. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. We are paying attention. You know, I mean, thank God for the culture we have in this church. You know, sometimes I struggle to teach in some churches. Why? They're not paying attention. They're not paying attention. Acts 17, 11. 
Acts 17.11. Berean believers. And these, Berean believers, and these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. <laughs> For they received the word of God with great eagerness. That word eagerness means a willingness, a readiness, a promptness to receive the word of God. Eagerness. They received it with eagerness. So we come to church with eagerness to learn. You see, there is, you, you, you can't come to church and you're sitting and you're just sitting slowly like, let the guy talk and finish. That, that's not the attitude. That's not how to behave in the house of God. You don't do that in management meetings. Do you go to management meetings where your manager, your supervisor is talking, I just cross your leg, I just is it, is it talk now, I'm understanding, am I a child? You can't do that, they'll throw you out. No serious manager would speak to uh, younger people in, without them taking notes or something. Why? Because you want every instruction carried out according to details. You see, we pay more attention when we go for secular events than when, sometimes when we come to church. You should take the teachings of God's word as if your life depends on it because it depends on it. You pay attention with eagerness. You sit properly. You're not just crossing your leg. You know, sometimes because we want more members, we've allowed certain attitudes to go on in the house of God for too long. You know, some people, you need to send them out. It's like, are you ready to learn or not? You're not willing to learn. Yeah, but this is the house of God. You cannot drive people. You also cannot misbehave. They are sitting carelessly. The ushers touch you. Then you look at them. Eyeball, eyeball. You know, sometimes you just have to, as a pastor, you have to just determine what you actually want to achieve with the call of God on your life. If not, you discover that gradually people would, would remote that call for you. You will not even know what you're doing anymore. Yeah. Praise the name of the Lord. You pay attention. You're listening with eagerness. You're listening with eagerness. That's how to listen to the word of God. And I tell you, it's not even today. It's Saturday. Remember, I've told you all this. You remember the story of Jesus teaching, and then uh, his mother and his father, uh, his mother and his brothers came to look for him. Then the ushers, ushers that are not well trained. Mother, mother, outside, mother. <laughs> Jesus said, Who is my mother? <laughs> you know, that reply would have made his mother mad. Who is my mother? Who is my Jesus had to address that. Jesus was teaching. His mothers came. And the ushers called him. Because the ushers felt seeing his mother was of more greater priority than the teaching he was doing. Jesus had to address that. And at another time, Jesus was teaching. And one guy raised his hand. Probably told you, wanted to ask questions. Eh? Say, Excuse me, sir. I have something to say. And imagine Jesus say, well, go ahead. Say, well, thank God for everything. Thank God for your life. Thank God for how you are trekking all the villages from one village to another. Teaching the message is not easy. We thank God that God has called you. But I, my, me and my brother, my father died. <laughs> and I want you to divide the property. Ah, ah, now. Jesus was teaching. His question was that Jesus should come and divide property. Do you know what? You, you know, sometimes you see how people think pastors, you know, sometimes members have a job description for a pastor that is not scriptural. Oh, yes, yes, because, because sometimes believers are not taught who a pastor is in their life. That's why people get angry all the time. Huh? 
Imagine that if Jesus had responded. So Jesus will leave what he's doing. Just think of it. So that, that's how I studied the scriptures. Eh? Jesus will leave what he's doing. Say, eh, where's your father's house? He said, number four, Jumbo Street. So, okay, let's go. Jesus will now say, eh, 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 how many trousers do you have? Say, four. Say, okay, what's your name? Joshua, what's your name? John. Okay, Joshua, stand there. John. Okay, give me those two. And that's what Jesus will be doing. You see, that guy would have said, I, I love my pastor. Oh, I just called him to divide property. He did not even ask me anything. He just, that's the kind of pastors we like, that we call for necessary things. Not that my pastor is teaching me the word. No. He divides property. We just call him that he, bah, he will just come, divide the property. And that means that while Jesus was teaching, that man was hearing nothing. He was just waiting. Say, pause, let me tell. I'm looking for the right time to strike. Looking for and immediately Jesus finishes. Excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir. And you thought the person wanted nothing. The man was just thinking property, property. If you can give me the TV, if you can give me I've been following for five years. I think I should get the DVD. What that means is that the fact that you are seated here does not even mean you are hearing what I'm saying, including this message. You can be thinking of election results as you are here now. See, have they released the knots? Have they released knots? These people, they, God will punish them. I know pastors say we should walk in love, but God, I mean, you can no attention. Some of you can be thinking of your traveling. Some of you can be thinking of the message he sent you at night, how you want to respond. Let me just close. Let, I, will, I will attend to that message. I don't want to do that. I will attend. I mean, and so you realize that, listen, you have the responsibility to get your mind in the service. Because you know what the enemy will do? He will create distractions for you. Oh, he will create distractions. That's why you see that sometimes when you come to church, that's why you remember a lot of things. And some of the notes we are taking is not what I'm preaching. It's all the things you are remembering. Call plumber. <laughs> is that word of knowledge? Say, call plumber. Buy okra. Don't forget spaghetti. Yeah, market list. I'm teaching now. You are writing market list. Chicken. Toasted chicken. And you know, <laughs> and you know, the devil can be very funny. Yeah? You just say, compare price on Jumia. So, for five minutes, I've lost you online. Jumia, carton of chicken. I say this woman is a wicked woman. In my mind, I'm thinking you, the point went home. Lie. So, so, you realize that paying attention becomes critical to your advancement as a believer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me tell you this. Every time you are praying, you will remember a lot of things you have not done. Who can bear me witness? Once you are praying, I remember, hey, 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 I'm supposed to wash clothes. You see, that's the enemy. That's, you, you say you don't know how the devil looks like. That is the devil. Every time there is a spiritual activity, natural memories come up. What to do? You can realize that maybe as we're worshiping the Lord, everything is fine. Immediately the teaching starts, you start remembering the tailor that did not bring you. Say, ah, I've not called this woman. Some people can be drawing styles in church. I like what Pastor wore. <laughs> Shall ladies? I like that style. The whole message is just say, let her walk to this side so that we get the, the view. I <laughs> hear explaining. Honey, you're just getting the view. Say, stay there, stay there, stay there. Stay there. Honey, pay attention. Pay attention. When they are teaching, is not when to post online. 
you, you see, you, you first of all have to learn the word before you try to teach others. You are not to be tweeting. And that is why this habit of being in church and videoing, you know, sometimes you just see people after service, they were videoing themselves when they were dancing. Say, church was lit today. I mean, if, don't try it here. No, 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 no. I, I, my ushers have an instruction. Don't video anything. See, we're not doing this thing for show. We are here now. We are worshipping. We are worshipping. You can see. We are. What, what is wrong with you? Say, life praises. Life praises. Wow. Wow, Jesus. Jesus. Life praises. Are you joking? What, what is that nonsense? Why do you have a media department? They want to capture the moment. No, don't capture anything. Focus on the God you are worshipping. Pastors will go up on the prayer mountain and they will snap themselves. I'm in the mountain now, praying for you. Send your prayer request. Then you carry cameraman to go and pray. You see, these things, let me tell you, these things, if we, if we don't deal with them, they will become normalized. And we have to deal with them. You might look old school, but stay there. When worship is going on, you shouldn't be thinking of streaming the worship. You lift your hands in one accord and you worship your God. When you are praying, that's not when to record when people are praying. Don't record when people are dancing. There's a media department. Keep your phone and participate in the worship. Say so they all lifted up their voices and gave God praise. That's the culture. That's the culture. We pay attention. We hang on to every word. We come with a mind of students to the word of God. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, I see some things and I laugh. I'm like, how did we get here? How did we get here? And you, you, must, you must ensure that you're paying attention. Let's read this. Now they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica for they received the word of God with great eagerness. Next word, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Listen to this. It was Paul that was teaching these guys. But you know what? They were examining the scriptures and they did it daily. What do you think examining the scriptures would be like? Looking at the word of God. It means they took notes. It means they took notes of what Paul taught. And they went back. You see, and I, I said in the growth class, one of the ways to become a better student is to take notes. In, in, in education, they'll teach you that if you can make your students take proper notes, they have 50% chances of passing. And if you make them read the notes again, the chances of passing is increased to 70%. If you make them do homework, the chances of passing is increased to 80%. The truth of the matter is that every student who has a diligent habit will pass exams. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The students who had study groups, who went back to notes, who did homework. Because most of the things that will come out in the exam will be your homework. You know the students who struggle with exam? It's those ones that will go for party, do everything. Do everything. One day to exam, say the battle is not mine, but it's the loss. The battle is not mine. You bring to my mind, and they're not cram. And when they have finished cramming, those kind of things, you don't touch them when they are going to exam hall. Hey, hey! Because if they, if they miss anything, eh? it's like that with Christians. Eh? The Christians that struggle in battle are the ones who don't pay attention. The one sickness hits, 
You are calling church office. Send me pastor's message on healing. You are already sick. Eh? Is that day you want to now listen to all the healing scripture? By now, you should know the healing scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't wait until the day of adversity strikes. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. That means you should have built strength before the day of adversity. It's not when you are not sick. Say, give me healing scripture. You know about the healing books. No, now. Just go and take medicine. Get well. And then start building again. Take notes. That's why I brought two of my notes. You know, I've had these notes... This was the note I had in. This note is 2000. That's 22 years ago, right? It's 22 years ago. All, I was not a pastor then. In most, I was a pastor, but then, not a pastor, but my dad was teaching. So all my dad's sermons, right? I have all my notes. This one, don't know which year this is, but this is all my teaching notes here. All the messages I've taught from 2001, I think from 2021, I started using the iPad to teach. You know, it was a struggle for me starting to teach with the iPad because I like to write. But I just knew that I can't be carrying these things all the time. Where are the notes you took last year? Where are they? First Sunday of the year, you showed up with Adu. Adu, where's Jumoke? Eh? The next Sunday, I was there, Papa at 85. Third Sunday, you just took a diary. Every Sunday, one new note. Even those of you taking electronic, using electronic gadgets, there is no compilation. This is church teaching. No, you just take notes. So, a uh, grocery shopping list is there. Uh, uh, what your hair uh, dresser told you is there. Films you want to watch, Netflix is there. So if we say go back to your notes now, you just be scrolling, you've seen all kinds of things. Netflix, uh, pin code, uh, bank details. You don't know. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no organization to your spiritual growth. God will hold you responsible for all these messages I'm teaching you. If you like, don't take them serious. On judgment day, they will pull up one of these messages. Were you there when they thought this thing? Say, no, I was not there, sir. I'm not sure I made it to church that day. <laughs> you know, when we're small, when told that, you will say, God has snapped all of us. <laughs> God will show you a picture. You know, Brother Kidmore said something. Let me say, Brother Kidmore said something. He said one day he was listening to an old Brother Higgins message. He worked for Brother Higgins for 20 years. He was listening to an old Brother Higgins message and he was like, wow, this message is a blessing. Hey, I wish I was there. Hey, he said, I wish I was there. He said, then the camera, you know, scanned through the audience. He was there, front row. <laughs> front, he was there, front row. That's to tell you. Do you understand? That's to tell you. See, that hunger you had when you were coming into the faith, have it again. Have it again. Don't let it die. Get back to the Word. Study the Word. Those things will build you up. Amen. Amen. Alright, let me just give you these points very quickly. Uh, I don't want to continue this message. Let me give you this point very quickly. Number one, be punctual to church meetings. Some basic behavior. Be punctual to church meetings. Punctuality is a sign that you value the church of God. Keep to time. Punctuality is a sign that you consider the meetings very important and it's high priority. Don't be late for church meetings. In Acts chapter 1 verse 21, when they were looking for who to replace Judas, they said the one, put it up for me please, Acts 1 21, it says the one who accompanied us, who went with us, who traveled with us. They prioritized the one who traveled with them. 
Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time, who showed up all the time. Can you give me a, a newer translation? Maybe let's look at NLT. Who went with us all the time. Alright? So be punctual to church meetings. Be punctual to church meetings. Number two. Yeah, look at it. So, the, from among the men who were with us the entire time, we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. And that's to show you that there were people who traveled with the Lord Jesus that were not listed among the twelve. This is what I was saying. He had some disciples. He had disciples who were younger who traveled with him, who were not listed among the twelve. Look at it. He says, so now we must choose a replacement for Judas. From among the men who were with us the entire time, we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. Traveled with Jesus all the time. Alright, you are punctual in all the meetings. You are not choosing meetings to attend. In, in Acts 5.42 and Acts 20.20, 20, from house to house, they broke bread. Cell meetings are important. When the church calls for any gathering, you are showing up. I said Acts 5.42, Acts 20.20, 20, you're showing up. Cell meetings. Number two, in meetings, we act in one accord. We act in one accord. Acts 1.14, please, you're just going to write the scriptures down. My time is way, way, way up. Acts 1.14, Acts 2.1, and Acts 5.12. When you read all this scripture, please pay attention to the word one accord. Acts 1.14, Acts 2.1, Acts 5.12. One accord. One accord. Let me explain one accord, please. Let's all pay attention. One accord means when I say, let's lift our hands to Jesus. You, you are lifting your hands. You, I, you know, some people are very defiant. When, when it's everybody lift hands, that's why they want to put their hands. You, you don't have to be led. The leading is coming from the one who is just like Pastor May was leading us and say, let's dance. If Pastor May says, let's dance this way, dance that way. Don't say, I don't know how to dance. Be in one accord. That's discord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even when, when, when you were in the world and you went to the club and the guy was, everybody say, hey, hey, hey. were you feeling led to do it? Hey? Were you not doing it? Hey, hey? You don't feel led when you are being led. You are led already. We say, let's pray. That's not when to sing. You know some people say, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's thank the Lord. Adonai. No, no, no. Don't do Adonai. Pray. Say, what about if the Lord is leading me? Mm, there's something about incorporate leading that we must learn to respect. It's called order. Lift your hands, you lift your hands. Pray, you pray. Sing, you sing. Sit, you sit. It's one accord. You know, there's something sometimes in us that just want to do things differently. It's not a sign of maturity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When we say, let's pray, the scripture says, and they lifted up their voice and prayed. When they were praying for Peter, somebody was not singing. They all prayed for Peter. Maturity is in order. Praise the name of the Lord. So we act in one accord. Number three, we avoid distracting others while the teaching is going on. So we're not having side comments. We're not taking videos while worship is going on. We're not on our internet. We're not browsing. We're not on Facebook. We're not checking things. Luke 12, 13. That's the story I was telling you of the one that said, Teacher, divide the inheritance for us. Luke 12, 13. Attended Jesus' meeting. You'll be amazed. And all he wanted from Jesus was division of inheritance. Huh? <laughs> ah, sad. Number four, be orderly and decent. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Orderliness means we do things, we do the right thing at the right time. We are paying attention to corporate instruction. You're seated properly. You know, one of the reasons we say people sit in front when they come to church is so that when people come late, they are not walking to the front and distracting. That's one of the reasons. Right? And sometimes it just helps the teacher. 
So we're doing things orderly. It's the house of God. We're, we're, we're orderly. You see, the house of God is not just a place for liberty. It's a place for order. We're training our children to be orderly in the house of God. We're training ourselves to respect and reverence the house of God. Number five, we are praying for each. <laughs> but you know that, <laughs> being orderly and this age, Sorry, give me a few minutes, please. You know, being orderly and this end, you know, what comes to my mind is, you know, sometimes when we come to the house of God, we're like, ah, it's my father's house and everything. <laughs> but you know that when you go for visa application, especially um, this side of the world, where visa for us is something, you know how those people treat you? Eh? Ah, the last visa application myself and family went, ah, we're so, we're so, we're so, high, we're so upset. Stand here! Stand here! <laughs> With your fire. What's your appointment time? 8.30. You are there 6 o'clock. Marking queue. Even with babies, with children. Yeah, natural things. We are very orderly. Hey, hey, move here. Move. Bring your fire. Even though you, you are angry. You can't see anything. Say, what's your name? Say, John, 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 John. Say, but this is not Jane. I said, sorry, sir. Write it where? Write it where? Put it here. Sign here. Say where? Here. Sign here. 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 Oh, sorry. What that? When you come out, you come. What is wrong with that? Say, my, say that there. <laughs> say that there. <laughs> oh, if you have not applied for visa before, you have applied for visa to cross this water now. Stand by. This. Stand by. Move back. Say, what is it? What is it? If not, let us do the road. Say, who will come to your um, But you will stand there. Orderly. <laughs> corporate instruction. Corporate instruction. You see, the truth of the matter is that. Let's be orderly in God's house. Pray before the service. Pray before the service. When you come to church, pray. Pray. Spend time to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for the teacher. Pray for the utterance be granted. Pray the Pauline prayers over yourself. At the eyes of your understanding, there's a lighting that you see. Alright? Don't miss pre-service prayers. It's part of our worship. It's part of our corporate worship. And our pre-service prayer is not just for workers. 7.30 to 8, we're praying here. We're praying for the service. So we want to make ourselves available. Take writing materials. Ensure your notes are up to date. Study the notes before the next service. Especially in this church, we teach in series. We, we teach in series. So before you came this week, you should have gone through your note last week. You know, Saturday nights, go through your notes. If you're taking your notes, go through your notes. Listen to the message again. Update your notes. These spiritual disciplines will put you in a great place. Then prepare your offering. Galatians 6, 6, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Alright? We don't need to teach extra for offerings. We don't need to raise offerings. We don't need to now. I've taught you in this church also, if you are a salary earner, you can budget what your offering is for the month, include it with your tithes. You know, be prepared to give. It's, it's part of responsible Christianity. Alright? Be prepared to be of a blessing to the local church. But you come to the house of God prepared. You're not just coming to receive, you're coming to give. Let me just read one more scripture and then we'll close. 1 Corinthians 14, 16. 1 Corinthians 14, 16. Praise the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, 16. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Corinthians 14. Look how it says. It says, for if... Am I right? No, 26, please. 26. First Corinthians 14, 26. Sorry. 
First Corinthians 14. Well, my brothers and sisters, let us summarize. When you... Okay. <laughs> what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm. When you come, we assemble, each one has a psalm. Each has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So they didn't expect people to just come with nothing. They expected people to come with a psalm. To come with an edification. To come with a teaching. To come with a revelation. Now, why I read this scripture is, you're not just coming to the house of God to... Uh, to, to uh, receive, you're also coming to give. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you blessed this morning? Alright. So we know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. The greatest thing about the house of God is paying attention. It's paying attention. Hallelujah. Let's, let's be on our feet. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'll just quickly minister to the sick right now. If you're sick anywhere, any form of pain. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.